Hey friends, thank you for pressing play and tuning into Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson, and you're invited to join me every week for transparent storytelling about life, love, and business. Get ready to laugh, to feel inspired, and challenged to get out of your comfort zone. We are all adjusting to this world of perfection experts doing it for the gram, when in real life, we're just out here trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Hang on to our adult relationships, find the balance between side hustle and nine to five, and adjust to our new identities in marriage and parenthood. Each episode, I will help you see the growth and possibility in what's next. Are you in position for the next transition? Let's get into the show. Are you an entrepreneur who needs some encouragement from time to time, but you're tired of listening to boring affirmations that put you to sleep? I understand. That's why I created something we can bounce to. My name is Z and I want to invite you to download my album, Crowned Affirmations, the ultimate soundtrack of encouragement for entrepreneurs. Crowned Affirmations is helping so many of us stay the course. Stream Crowned Affirmations on all digital music outlets today. All right. Welcome back to Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson, and I am so excited to have my line sister and friend, Dominique Dallas, who is a woman of faith. She is an educator, she is an advocate and a creative, she's an aspiring entrepreneur and politician. Now that's a lot. She, <laughs> she values integrity, genuine relationships, and a good laugh, which we always have, guaranteed. She also advocates for children through educational equality, that's her jam. And in her world, there's no better song. Dominique is also running for two positions, DPEC, which is Democratic Parish Executive Committee, Mm -hmm. and DSCC, the Democratic State Central Committee. DPEC is centered around endorsing candidates who will benefit the Democratic Party, and DSCC is purposed to fortify the Democratic Party and ensure Democrats are well represented throughout the state. Her campaign is still accepting donations at any amount via donor box or cash app. Other than that, Dominique, outside of that, please tell the people who you are as a woman in transition today. Hello, everyone, and thank you, Tia, for having me here today. I, Dominique Dallas, am a woman in transition because I have finally um, found a way to transition from being in my field of education Um, and moving toward a new level in the fight for educational equity. Um, For the last eight years, I've been a teacher, and I just love teaching kids and just being in the classroom. Um, But there's so many things that I've realized that one teacher can disrupt the system, but we can't destroy the system, right? And so on my path, there are so many things that happen that I can help. I can kind of add some Band-Aids but it still doesn't make a huge shift um, in the benefit of my kids. So in this way, I've transitioned to um, move towards um, educational equity and fighting for that because education is community infused. And so I'm coupling my vocation with policy and advocacy 
to ensure that all kids can have a fair shot at educational equity. I love that. And that is so important. And I'm so excited to learn more about that myself and how, you know, everybody can kind of like get involved and help support you while you do that. Me and Dominique, like I said before, we're line sisters. We both went to (laughs) University of Tennessee, Knoxville, and we both crossed as AKAs on the same line. Mm -hmm. Good times. Fun times. Yes, fun times. And it's so funny because I was, I mean, you, I think the year that I met you, you were graduating, like you were about to graduate. Yes. And I recall a few times I helped you with your Spanish work. Yes. I was a Spanish tutor. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like you were. Like I definitely wouldn't have survived without you. You're like, are you you still fluent in Spanish? I feel like you can't forget anything like that, right? See, well, I mean, of course, if you don't use it, you lose it. So, yeah. I mean, like my phone is in Spanish, like my Gmail, my laptop, like all my technology is in Spanish. My Google Home, we, you know, we get down or whatever. Siri, all of them. Oh, <laughs> we talk God. in Spanish. That is so crazy because we're still in contact, you know, over the years. And I just remember us definitely keeping in contact. And you were over in Spain, like in school, and mm-hmm. you call and sing to me in Spanish for my birthday. <laughs> it was just a good time. <laughs> so I'm so glad, like, here we are years later. It's been 11 years. That doesn't even make sense. Like, I cannot believe that time has escaped us all. But I'm so glad to still have you as my friend, my sister. Um, And I appreciate the fact that we still have a strong relationship. And I can call you and spew creative juice all over you when you make sense of it. Because I don't be making sense. (laughs) Yes, that is what I'm here for. So speaking of school, what did you go to school for? versus like what you're actually doing now and how did you fall into what you're doing now great question so I went to school to pursue marketing and I had a minor in Spanish with a concentration in international business and then I um, received my MBA at Schiller International University in Madrid um, and so my goal was to be like in marketing and um kind of get into like the creative and the brainstorming side of business um but it was that was the year that the economy was really really bad and not a lot of people were hiring um i submitted resumes and cover letter cut up cover letters everywhere and everyone was saying like you're inexperienced or you're overqualified mm-hmm. and so i had a good friend whose mom worked in Shelby County schools and she was like you ought to apply for this substitute position and I rolled my eyes but at the time I was like you know just give it a shot I mean you never know right and so I went in as a sub and I shadowed the Spanish teacher and so it was kind of weird because I was in the classroom with the teacher while she was teaching um Mm -hmm. and she was kind of like packing her boxes a little bit she was giving me like the 411 this is what happens during this period she was just kind of like talking to me in a very weird way initially so at the end of that day Tia she goes Miss Dallas I'm leaving 
And I'm like, me too, girl. It's the end of the day. Like, we both leave. And she was like, no, I'm not coming back. And I'm like, huh, pause, backspace, delete. Girl, she left. She went back to Madrid. And the school called me back and was like, you know, Miss Dallas, would you be interested in teaching Spanish? Um, so I ended up being an interim Spanish teacher, which kind of rolled into like, oh, it's supposed to be a day, turn into a month, two years. And that's how I came into teaching Spanish. And so after my two years were up, I was still hell bent on, you know, I'm really, I'm, I have the strong business mind, like strong business acumen, and I want to pursue marketing at all costs. I don't want to live with any regrets. So I dabbled in sales. I dabbled in, you know, I started my um, online jewelry boutique and I wanted to really get into that. Um, but for me, the hustle and bustle of sales and like sales quotas and plan, meeting plan, percentage to ALY, like all these things was just unfulfilling. And I got so good at my job that I had reached a, a ceiling early on. So I reached out to another friend who was like, oh, well, yeah, we have, a, we have a Spanish teacher position open. Please come and interview interviewed of course I got the job and I went back into teaching Spanish all over again and it became this thing where I realized that that woman leaving granted it was like crazy and foolish was God's plan all along right like it 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 was not for me to get into business in the way that I thought that I was supposed to get there um, because now I'm still dealing with um, policy and advocacy, like my first year here in Baton Rouge at the end of my first year, I, res I um, was able to land a fellowship um, in policy and advocacy with the school board here. And so just like understanding business has helped me in education. It, you know, I still use those organizational skills, communication skills, even like money and math and financial um, acumen, all those things are still relevant. Like I haven't thrown any of that away. And even like my creativity, I still flourish in the classroom. I get to be myself um, with the curriculum. So all those things are still relevant. It just looks different. In the process of really understanding and breaking down like how kids are affected, whether it's through um, prison or pipeline or food insecurity, or even things like, like schools receive money or schools receive food from vendors, right? Um, and let's just say a vendor may have a contract to give like milk and orange juice, but knowing that black kids are lactose intolerant and understanding that, well, if a child is lactose intolerant and they drinking milk because there's not a lot of water, and they come to my class with the BGs and headaches and this, that, and the third, that's really affecting them and their ability to like concentrate and contribute and collaborate. And so small, that, that would be considered like a policy, you know, something that small can have such a, a huge impact on our, on our classrooms and on our kids um, growing and developing. And so just seeing something like that and knowing that, hey, as a citizen, like I have the power, you have the power. We collectively build this community that has the power to like, you know, have a voice and ask and request and demand and advocate and organize for change. 
that blew my mind. So I'm like, yes, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. And that's what I'm doing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So that, that explains a lot. I like how you broke that down for us and showed us how that's an example of a policy um, and how it affects our kids. So for the people who are out there who aren't familiar with politics and policies, can you break down exactly how education can expand into policy and advocacy a little bit more into like what it is that you're trying to do? Right. So like I mentioned before, education is community infused. And um, for the people that think that there's no such thing as systemic racism or like it doesn't still exist. Um, everything that happens in a community is going to affect like a school or the neighborhood school. Um, and so even when it comes to um, like housing, um, so for example, the school that I teach in the neighborhood, um, they offer a lot of opportunity vouchers, right? But for the most part, the people that receive the opportunity vouchers aren't the people of color. They aren't the people that um, live in the neighborhood. They aren't the black people. Um, and so there are people that are buying up the houses around the school and kind of like sit on the property in hopes that later we're going to gentrify this neighborhood, right? Okay. Um, and so that is a, that would be, um, under the control of someone at the local level. Okay. Um, and so even with like DPEC, so DPEC, which is the Democratic Parish Executive Committee, they endorse local candidates. And so up until this point, well, yeah, in this, at this point, people in the United States, we value, you know, it's like politics is like this popularity contest. Oh, you know, who got the who get the most money, who get the most likes, and this, that, and the third. And we have prioritized popularity over principles, over policies, over, you know, purpose. We're looking at personality and, oh my gosh, I like her and she keeps it real and la, la, la. And not like, well, what does their character say? Um, what, what works and what experiences have they done that have um, manifested and demonstrated integrity and like perseverance and consistency towards the work. Um, we're seeing a lot of people that hide behind this wall that says, oh yeah, I fight for kids and oh, I fight for equal rights or I fight for these things. And it's not the wall that they're, you know, the issue that they're fighting for. They're really um, doing the work to prop up personal agendas. And so that comes into play when, you know, for example, DPEC, if you are, if people that are in are consistently and constantly endorsing, you know, people a part of this group because they have, you know, deals, or, you know, they're rubbing elbows and, you know, in the shadow type of business, it doesn't help your community. Right. At this point, if you live in Louisiana and you don't know who your DPEG representative is, that's a whole problem because they represent you. And then that can be the same across any platform. If you, uh, I mean, everyone lives in a district or an area. And if you don't know who represents you, then, you know, this may be unpopular to say, but that person hasn't done a good job of like reaching back to the community and like, 
um, hosting community events and like being an ear to hear what you have to say, like what's going on, where do we need help? Where, you know, how can we improve? How can we better ourselves? How can we, you know, push through and progress? And so that's what, that's, you know, inner Dominique Dallas to um, be someone where, you know, hey, if there's something going on, you can like contact, contact me and just being open to hearing what people need. Um, and the same with DSCC. DSCC is supposed to basically help the infrastructure of the Democratic Party um, so that we can like build stronger grassroots. And when it comes to like fundraising and electing candidates, like we all push behind certain candidates um, that we feel would be best for the Democratic Party. Okay. And so does every, you said everyone has this? So Louisiana is the only state that has parishes. Okay. So DPEC is particular to Louisiana. Okay. Um, there is a DSCC, but on a larger scale. So it's a Democratic senatorial chair. And those, um, if I'm not mistaken, those seats are held by um, state reps. Okay. But don't quote me on that. But I, I do know that there is a larger level of DSCC that, um, that matters. And so I think I've heard Roland Martin speak about the DSCC candidates um, here lately. And so it would, it would be beneficial for us. And see, that's the thing with politics. There's so many positions and fields and people um, and it can be so overwhelming and daunting that you just kind of tap out and only pull up for presidential elections, yep. not realizing that every single election at every level matters. Yes, I think that's. I think we had that conversation too offline, and I'm guilty myself <laughs> of not really, you know, looking into what's happening locally and what those because yeah in my mind I'm like all that matters is the president right mm -hmm. so after that conversation that we had I did like me and Travis are making more of an effort to look into and research you know who else is running and what um is important to them so that we can be a part of that change yeah yeah you got to do some work in order to change and it's not just the candidate doing the work, but it's the community doing the work as well, right? right? Right. So can you tell us how this passion inspired you to actually take action and actually run? Because, you know, we have people all day that, that are passionate about, you know, certain policies and politics and things like that, but to actually run and tell us more about how the position you're running for can help, can actually help communities. I think you already touched on that though, but read right Okay. <laughs> um, so as a teacher, I've, I, again, I know that I'm helping my students, um, but through training and through like workshops and webinars, um, there's one organization called Leadership for Educational Equity, aka LEAD. And they offer trainings to kind of help guide teachers into a world where we can do a little bit more, more work and create systemic change. Um, and so 
I wanted to kind of move out of a reactive place. Mm -hmm. So kind of like less complaining Mm -hmm. because complaining is, you know, where you gripe and moan, but you don't state or mention next steps. Right. So you just commit to being stationary. And I kind of wanted to move away from being reactive to proactive. And so most candidates that run are endorsed. And the DPEC is the body um, that endorses those candidates. So if there is any way that I can help to endorse candidates that would be beneficial toward students, you know, I think that there needs to be someone that's teacher focused or has teacher experience in those in those uh, those areas of policy. So a teacher in politics is very helpful, right? Um, because even like at the school board level and at the the um, metro council level and at the um, gubernatorial level. Like all those levels, there are decisions that are being made that affect kids directly or indirectly. So if it's not affecting the child directly, it is affecting the parent, um, which affects the child. Like everything is affecting children. And it's so it's so important that we, I, I believe as teachers, that if we really want to make lasting change, like there has to be some sort of movement outside of the classroom. Like, yes, stay in the classroom because they need people that truly care for them. But also, like, what can I do in addition to, you know, my work in the classroom? So that's kind of where I am. It's it's not like I'm going to be a teacher or I'm going to be a politician. It's not either or. It's both and. You're doing the work, girl. The work. You're just talking about it. You being about it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So how can other people help you with this campaign or even help bring awareness to this matter? What do you suggest? Um, So I suggest that you go to my website, always um, read up. You can contact me. I love for people to just hit me up if you have questions. Um, You can donate to the campaign. Um, But the main thing is the conversation, right? Engaging with people engaging with the community that's the biggest ask ask yourself how can you get involved um if that is reaching out and like hey we can do um a brainstorm and figure out how you can get plugged into locally wherever you are there are so many organizations that need help there's so many organizations that are already doing the work and they just need um like more brain power, more manpower, you know? Um, so yeah, I can, I can be your organizational plug, if you will. Yes. Organizational plug. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for informing us about this. It sounds very important and definitely relevant to the times we are in right now. And as a Black woman, we get really passionate about things and we really give our all to the cause, okay? Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you have a lot going on. So how do you take care of yourself in terms of self-care? So great question, Tia. Self-care is super important. Um, The main thing that I do is I establish my boundaries 
and I say no. <laughs> um, I I have to say no. Um, even the things that I want to do, even the things that seem like super fun and would be like a great opportunity, I have to say no. Um, I'm really adamant about decompressing. I have to have like one hour of decompression. Um, so whether that is I drive in silence or I work out or, you know, oh, nasty bottle of wine, child. Yes. Um, and I mean, it just looks like different things. Also, I have a designated day that I watch the news. So like, you know, quarantine time has been like super crazy with all these different, you know, news news events and the news cycles have been loaded with like emotional information and so initially I was you know watching the news all the time but now I have to say well on Thursdays I watch the news because I can't take in that much information and mm-hmm. like be be sane or be any good to do good I gotta be good to do good and if I'm constantly being like bombarded with just like the the different level the different information and like updates on which level Jumanji we in I'm not gonna make it you know um yeah <laughs> <laughs> I love it so um mental health is is very important and yeah I just I have my boundaries and you know that's what it is I try to eat healthy um, I've been doing intermittent fasting, which has been like a game changer. Um, and yeah, I do my online shopping, yeah. you know. We hear that all the time, like mental health is so important, but why do you think it is important? And how have you managed your mental health aside from, you know, limiting, you know, your de- your designated day to the news, but like it's everywhere, like social media, like it's brought up in all of our conversations with our friends. So how do you protect your energy from that? Like, yes, you can isolate yourself from watching the news and things like that, but how do you do it when it's, I just feel like it's like literally like everything that, you know, we talk about, even if you don't watch the news, everybody's talking about the news and what's going on. Yeah. So, um, I'm not a huge, I mean, yeah, you've been seeing me posting, um, these days, but I'm not a huge social media fan. Um, and I still treat my phone as if it came out three <laughs> years ago. So <laughs> I don't have like a lot of notifications. I turn off notifications. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have only have the like the the red balloons. I only have the red balloons mm-hmm. on um, my phone and my text messages. I don't have the mail app on my phone. It there's so many ways for people to contact you, mm-hmm. and if it's within an app, it's you know all the different like phone calls, t- uh, Snapchat, tweet, Facetime, house party like all these different things, it is, it's too much. Um, And when you have all these notifications on your screen, like I turned off the, whatever the feature is where you can like see the stuff on your screen, I don't want that. Like, I don't want to be accessible like that um, because it constantly puts your brain in like this overdrive, right? And so when you're being asked to, 
brainstorm, brainstorm, create, strategize, think, you know, decision make. Um, that can like wear you out. Like teachers, I read an article that said teachers make um, the same amount of decisions, if not more than a neurosurgeon. That's a lot of like, you know, oh, do this. No, go here, do that. You know, it's it's too much. And I have to be able to turn it off because if I am no good, if I can't advocate for myself, I can't advocate for anybody. Yeah. Like I literally have to be at a, a peaceful place, um, especially, you know, having recently dealt with anxiety and anxiety att attacks. Like I can't, I don't want to like go down that path. Mm -hmm. So I am super intentional about my mental health um, just because, you know, it matters. And I, I want to be good so I can keep doing good. Right, exactly. And, you know, it's, it, we see quotes like that all the time. Like, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup and, you know, all those things. But it's like, you really have to be intentional about it every day because even myself, like, I just overwhelm myself all the time. And then I know all these things, you know, you, you got to make some time for yourself. You got to put the phone down. You got to, you know, you can't do everything, all of that. And I just still forget because I become so <laughs> overwhelmed, you know, with what I'm doing. So it's just like, you know, now what I'm doing now is just going back to journaling and being aware of my thoughts and how certain things are affecting me that are around me. And, you know, just trying to be more mindful and, and write those thoughts down so I can leave them there and not carry mm -hmm. it with me. Because another part of I feel like mental health is um, we're always silent, like we're, we're silently suffering. Right. And so we don't always have like an outlet to go to. You know, some people do go to social media and let it all out on them Facebook statuses. They tell you their whole life. And then, <laughs> like, all right, you could have you could have just wrote that down in your diary, but right, sure could have. They put their soul on that post. They put their soul. They, 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 you know exactly how they feel. <laughs> and then you got most people who are too fearful to express themselves and, and be vulnerable and tell people or even talk to their friends and family about what's really going on with them. Because another thing about this generation is, I think that we care too much about image and what. And, mm -hmm. and looking like we got it all together and like we got it all going on. No, we don't. And we don't. Like, we are human. We have feelings. You know, we are all going through this one transition together. The whole wide world with right. COVID, with Black Lives Matter. And, and it is, it's a lot, especially when you have your own things going on. And then you have to involve yourself, again, like in the news and caring about your race. Because again, that yeah. could affect your future and you, and you like right. just driving in your car and just, you know, being who you are and, you know, that worries you, especially when you was already worried about so much other stuff. So, um, I just think for sure mental health is important and it's important because it affects everything. It does. It affects everything. And even like, if we want to get into a deeper level, like it affects your skin and then it affects your hair and like initially when we went into quarantine um I had gotten stressed out like I had really dry skin mm -hmm. and it took me um to just kind of like dial it back um I would go for walks outside and drink like a whole bunch of water 
and like stop stress eating, you know, like stay away from like junk foods just for the comfort of it. And, you know, my skin like evolved and I'm like, yes, if I can just stay calm, <laughs> we can have nice skin. <laughs> yes, the secret. They don't, they don't bottle that up and, put, and sell that, do they? <laughs> right. <laughs> they don't tell you that. They don't. <laughs> so who is your support group? And how have they contributed to your personal growth? Um, I would say that I'm super grateful to have um, my family Mm -hmm. um, as my support group. Uh, Being away from home and being away from like family members. Um, My family is pretty scattered. So I have family like everywhere. Um, And so when I get to go see them and visit them or when they come into town, it is like, such a great time and it makes you it makes me feel super appreciative to have them um to have them as soundboards to have them just as like shoulders and they they function as ears and like all these things um they're always checking up on me and so I really appreciate that and then furthermore like I still have the same friends that I've had since high school and undergrad which is not that's not common you know like I was gonna say blessed blessed baby um (laughs) I hear so many horror stories about like girls and what girls have done each other from high school and undergrad and I'm like damn that's that sucks I mean it you know not to be like funny or minimize anyone's situation but I I'm so grateful to have my best girl um in my life and yeah you know everyone's super busy and you know people got families and kids and husbands and things but you know we still make time for each other and I think that's what's important the most they support me and they tell you know we hold each other accountable and they tell me you know yay or nay and yeah they're just it's amazing and I, I lean heavily on our relationship Yes, that's that's great. I think that's very important because that's the other part of this. Like everybody doesn't have a strong support system. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine not having that support during a time like this where we're quarantined? You know, COVID. Like you, you you're scared to go outside. You're going crazy mm-hmm. on the inside, and then you have nobody to talk to or nobody to you know remind you to take care of yourself and right you know encourage these conversations and things like that like I was just talking about that um today one of my friends is like very at, like doesn't understand like why people gotta go out right now you know it's like why are people going out in public going to bars you know doing all these things and I'm like well, everybody doesn't have the same lifestyle as you. Sometimes these people, you know, have a lot going on and they just need to get out. Now, it may not be the right thing, you know, because we are, you know, COVID. It's like a hazard. But this is, <laughs> you know, what they choose to do and what they probably have to do to keep from going insane, like from being mm-hmm. in the house. We working in the, you know, working from home. You know, you do everything at home now. And so the only time you really get to go out is to like go to the grocery store or you know do little things like that and so sometimes I guess people just want to feel like I don't know I'm still one with the world you know 
They do because let me tell you, Target on a Monday and Tuesday morning, that thing be populated, okay? And I just don't understand. Initially, I'm like, why are people at Target on like Tuesday, Tuesday morning at nine o'clock? They just want to be at the house. They just want to be away from the house living, baby. That house living is (laughs) unprecedented. Low-key some bullshit, okay? Okay. (laughs) So speaking of that, so have you made time to date? And what kind of guy would, would have to attract an ambitious woman like yourself, especially with quarantine? Like we said, we don't really have much human interaction. Mm-mm. So what are you doing out here in these streets? Ain't no, ain't no dates, man. Ain't no dates during this quarantine. Um, no, look, my dad came into town two days ago and he walked into my apartment with a mask on. And I'm like, daddy, I, I ain't got it. I'm good. And the fact that he was so like, you know, got to take precautions, you know, yeah, you can folk, but I don't, I don't really know how you've been quarantined and people quarantine differently. You know, that's been my main takeaway from all of this. Like people are still getting sick, cases are going up. So I haven't, I haven't been actively dating anyone during this, this, this season um but also nor have I been like proactive in that way I I guess I'm just like everyone else waiting for things to kind of die down and see when the world gets back to it will never be the same but see if we can get back to a new normal but yeah I'm you know I'm I haven't been anywhere to to see or meet or whatever and then when you do everybody got masks on and only see this part of the, <laughs> see this part of the face and people got on jackets and stuff it's just like you can't even see how people look right so what so okay we at when 2021 when we out here back in the streets what kind of guy is gonna attract dominique dallas's attention um you know that's a really good question tia and um i think it takes life lifelong journeys to answer that. But no, if, you know, if I had to sum it up into like a couple of points, I would say uh, most definitely someone that has integrity. Um, You know, a lot of people say A and do B Mm -hmm. and that is, that's like a standard that I'm just not willing to compromise. Like, do what you're going to say and whatever you say, mean it. And, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Um, and then someone that um, has a, a thorough understanding of like emotional intelligence and what that means to be emotionally intelligent. And then um, someone that values partnership and like the power of partnership. Um, so understanding that there is a lot of work in being with someone, but you know that there are more pros than cons. And so like willing to engage in the work and willing to like go through the growth and the changes and all these things, um, because it's not about like the destination, but the journey. So someone that will, you know, want to travel together and you know we put our plans together and work the plan and achieve financial independence and freedom together and um we grow spiritually together and just all these things like you value partnership 
though. And they got to be handsome, girl. Okay, because I was just about to say, okay, so how do you see that when you uh when you out here in the streets? Like how do you see somebody integrity and all this? You know, that sounds like it ta- that's going to take some time to get to know somebody first, you know, of yeah. course. You know, it's it's just so funny because dating in your 30s is definitely different from dating in your 20s. Mm-hmm. And I've been talking a lot about that on this podcast with a lot of different women. And, and we all can agree, like things that mattered, you know, before, like you on like a whole nother level now, like mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to get to know somebody and to, you know, choose to be with that person because just like especially the older we get like we've been how we've been for 30 plus you know years or whatever and they've been how they've been for 30 plus years or 20 plus depending on if you want them young girl but (laughs) (laughs) but you know when you decide to be in a relationship with someone you know we talked about mental health and and growth and things like that everybody has had their own journey, you know, their own mm-hmm. mental health, spiritual journey, all of that. And it's like, then you, ch- you got to come together with somebody who may or may not be on that same level. Yeah. It's just like, it just makes it so much harder and dang COVID has not made it any easier. It's it. I mean, it's a challenge. It's a challenge for sure. Um, but I think that's why I said someone that, values partnership so you want to or you're not afraid of those challenges you know um because it's going to be a lot of adjusting and a lot of sacrifice and um selflessness and um serving leadership you know like all these things um but just knowing that there's a win on the other side that's what I'm here for Yes, and you'll appreciate it so much more. Uh-huh. <laughs> so have you ever felt lost or doubted yourself during any of these transitions, like making the transition with your career, um, thinking that you, you know, we're going, you went to school for this and then you end up doing that. And even with the politics and everything like that, and how did you pull yourself out of that place? I want to say I didn't ever feel lost just because teaching was something that, yeah, it wasn't intentional, um, but it's always been something that I'm good at. And so it was, it was a skill that I would have probably wouldn't have discovered as quickly had I not been thrown into the field. Um, and so in the transition from, from teaching coupled with policy work, um, I, I haven't ever felt lost, but I will say um, there have been a few times that I've doubted myself. Um, there is a thing called imposter syndrome where you feel like you're not supposed to be in this space or, you know, you really don't belong because your credentials don't match up with the other people that are in this space. And so I have felt that before a few times. And so the, whenever I feel doubt, Um, I always think of this verse, um, which is a small prayer. It's like, Lord, I believe, but help me with my disbelief. And that kind of, you know, brings me back to a a place where I remember that I remember another verse that says, with him by my side, I will not be shaken. And I think that's Psalm 16, 8. And 
Come on, girl. It's like, it's church. Yes. You know, if, if the Lord brings you to a place, if you're in a place, then, you know, there are no coincidences. Like, you're supposed to be there. And every inefficiency or, like, even, like, the fears that I that I deal with, because um, I kind of had, like, a little uneasiness about, like, posting to social media just because I had kind of taken this hiatus and it wasn't really, like, a consistent thing that I was doing or keeping up with, I was kind of like a little trepidatious about posting and like being received well. And it's like, first of all, don't worry about what other people think. You are here to do this work, period. And whatever they think, you still gonna do what you're gonna do. Um, So it doesn't matter. And anything that, for me, it's like every moment of fear is really the Lord telling me that, hey, this is uncomfortable, but this is an opportunity for you. And this is me growing you so I can elevate you. So all inefficiencies are really opportunities. And if you're willing to take them on, then you'll look back and you'll be like, check, you know? So um, it's, it's just a journey. And stepping out of your comfort zone is, it's uncomfortable, duh. Um, but it's so worth it. You know, like the doubt is, it's really just a trick. It's the, um, devil. It's the devil. And like, I remember, you remember uh, Pastor Stacy at New Direction Christian mm-hmm. Church? Mm-hmm. The first time he talked about fear, you know, all, all pastors got sermons on fear or whatever, but he really painted clearly that fear is false evidence appearing real. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this stuff isn't even real. Yes. It's not real, you it's know? Not. It's not. And so like all fears are really the foundation of all fears are lies. And mm-hmm. if you can do like the hard work and the mental work to uncover the lie and then replace the lie with the truth, then, you know, you'll end up being a lot better on the on the back so true i say i always say like fear is nothing but the devil you know the devil puts the doubt in your mind and i feel like when you similar to what you just said about when you have fear i feel like that's the devil trying to keep you away from what god is trying to do for you and whatever that is it's gonna be it's gonna blow everybody out mm-hmm. so you just gotta push through and you know stay connected to god and you know do what it is that he's telling you to do because if the devil is trying to stop you from doing it it must be it must be worth it right amen okay (laughs) so (laughs) how has your past experiences prepared you for your next transition because you know i like to say like every transition has it ends with something and, and starts something else you know and so though we may or may not know what that next transition is, what have you learned from the things that you've been through that you think will prepare you for whatever's next for you? Um, so the thing that I have learned about myself that is going to prepare me for the next round of transition is I am a teacher, period. And that doesn't always mean that the teaching will happen in a classroom. Um, it can be on any, on any type of level. And so um, 
without giving away too much, um, I'm actually, um, well, let me give you some background and then we'll go forward. So this past year, I started teaching um, fundamentals of JavaScript, which is like a coding course. And this summer, like in next week, I'll be teaching a virtual coding camp called um, with Code with Classy. And then I'll be I'll continue teaching like JavaScript and HTML and CSS or whatever in the fall. Um, but that that course and that curriculum and that content coupled with like business and my creativity and like my passion for education and policy is going to kind of rear me into um, my current business venture that I'm super excited about. Um, it is like the perfect joining of like all these different um, pathways that I've been on. And it's just so, it's just so funny because like God is so strategic and like into the details. And had you told me that this is where I would have been last year, I would have rolled my eyes at you for sure because things all conform together in a way that's like, like nothing you've ever thought of, you know, like, um, so I'm just so grateful to, to be here. Um, I'm also grateful that I've never had to put aside all those, um, marketing and business skills. I still use those. Now, when it comes to like details, you know, I call you, <laughs> um, <laughs> I have some AK Cybros that I can reach out to. Shout out to Flo. Um, you know, I have people that are currently engaging in the work, so I don't really have to 100% lean on myself or lean on Googling everything. I can like ask, you know, for like a better understanding. But yeah, I mean, everything like has perfectly meshed well together to 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 bring me to this current um state of mind like this state of professionalism this state of um entrepreneurship even though um I'm in beginning stages it's still it's still a thing it's still relevant so I will keep you posted and you know I told you I've been working on my blog hey miss Dallas yes um and then I've been working on my website domdallas.com so I'm really excited for 2021 and 2022 and the rest of 2020 yeah so I will keep you posted girlfriend yes keep me posted so that I can support you in whatever it is that you're doing <laughs> <laughs> let's switch gears um so what do you think society expects from black women today it's like that's a good that's a good question yeah um i i'm gonna say this just because i'm not a fan of blanket statements mm -hmm. um i'm gonna say what i expect for black women um so i expect black women to continue on this path of being excellent. Um, I'm so proud of Black women that are um, rising up to the occasion, that are being business women, business leaders, um, leaders within the community. Um, we are super smart and resourceful and educated. And some base basically we're 
bosses, but like on a completely different level, right? Um, it's like amazing, it's attractive, and it is inspiring for women like me um, to see perseverance and like bravery and courage. When I see black women succeed, I know, like everybody has a story. I know that there have been trials and tribs that they have gone through, yet they've overcome them. And so we're looking at like the manifestation of all of their um all of their losses and like they overcoming their losses and like they're achieving this win. So that is what I expect of black women to keep being that amazing beacon of light and i expect society to keep making room for us that's what i expect from society okay because you know with the whole i know you're not on social media a lot (laughs) but lately on social media because of the black lives matter movement a lot of people have been very vocal influencers in particular about equality and brand representation and a lot of brands um have been forced to vocalize you know be more vocal and in support of black people in general black women in general especially Mm -hmm. when it comes to like be in the beauty industry and you know being more considerate of that Mm -hmm. and lately because of you know black people sharing their story and being more vocal about these experiences it has also um, shined light on a lot of you know small businesses black small black businesses and people who are doing great things and so like you said like I'm hoping with the, the current state of the world right now that black women and black people in general just continue to uplift you know black people especially black women mm-hmm. in general um, because it's such a beautiful thing to see and it's such a beautiful thing to be a part of and I think it makes it easier for black women to support each other and so my question to you is how do you think black women can support each other more and have we been programmed to not support each other prior to recent events I think we can support each other more by engaging in hard work and so follow me so I think that I don't think we've been programmed to not support each other it it makes it seems that way especially because of like reality tv and mm-hmm. um reality tv exactly <laughs> and that's, and that's exactly where that part came from just seeing um, you know but women not support each other but when i see when i see those women be so mean toward each other i feel a little sorry for them because that is hard work that they haven't done on themselves. You know, it's really hard to give people love and support when you're not you're not being gracious with yourself and giving yourself love and support. And so I think that speaks to um not, you know, black women not having multiple examples of um like grace and eloquence. Um and I'll say an example would be when when um, Michelle Obama said, you know, when they go low, we go higher. That is not a new concept, right? But when she said it, 
she kind of provided like this standard, this model exemplar of how we should act. And people really took that to heart and like they they use that, right? Like they they do that, they model that, they've incorporated into their lives. And we just need more of that to to um, serve as like strong examples um, that are consistent on the day-to-day basis. Um we yeah, we we just have a I mean we're human, you know, and to to expect to to be human is to expect, you know, human error. Like I can only expect you as a human to be human. Um and I think we have um we just have such high expectations in each other. Mm-hmm. Um but we are not willing to to model that expectation within ourselves. And so that breeds disappointment. Um, but I just think we, you know, we have a lot of work to do. We, the black community, we have a lot of healing to do. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of trauma to overcome. And um, we have to get our, we have to get back to like being unified and being strong and, and being on a united front because that's when the real power is going to come into play. Um, like right now, yes, there is a lot of solidarity with the protests and, people rallying together together to um, support Black-owned businesses. Um, But when we, within ourselves, have a lot more strength and power and love and support for each other, it is really going to change up the game. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So how do you yourself support other Black women right now? Um, So... I'm in a place where if if you call and say, hey, Dominique, I need la la la. Okay, you know, whatever. Um, I am I'm not against supporting black women. And so for that reason, it's easy. Just if you need help, I will help you. Or if you need support by me showing up or um, you need me to just listen. If you want to just yell and vent like, hey, I can you know, I can be here to just listen. Um, at the core, I just think women need, um, love and affirming and confirming, um, from their sisters and also, you know, love and support is also not being a yes man. So, Hey, if something is a little off or Hey, if something is kind of out of pocket, like, mm, kind of mentioning it, mentioning it, but also mentioning it wrapped in grace, right? Like wrapped in um, love. And I just think we just need to um, model love, like just be loving, just be considerate, just be caring toward each other and not like jealous or always got an attitude or, you know, Nick Bob eye roll type of thing. Like chill out with all of that. Um, <laughs> get you get your get yourself together because anytime somebody does that they don't have a problem with you they got a problem with themselves so you know therapy I mean I I really don't I really don't um I really don't like that from black women because I just feel like we've come we've come such a long way like why are you still acting like that mm-hmm. um and it, on the top of the fact that it's so unattractive like you're not you're not benefit you don't benefit when you act like that so like why bother um so yeah just 
Girl, love, love on everybody, girl. Love on everybody. Love on everybody. <laughs> well, on that <laughs> note, we will love on everybody and take a quick break and we'll be right back. All right. Hey, girl, hey. This podcast is sponsored by the Millennial Wives Club. We are a community of supportive women who just so happen to be millennial wives, hence the name. We are actually more than just wives. We are mothers, we are bosses, we are friends, we are leaders in our community, daughters, sisters, and so much more. Despite the name, the Millennial Wives Club, you do not have to be a wife to join the club, but you do have to aspire to be a wife. If you are a woman, who has a passion for connecting and supporting like-minded women, looking for a tribe to remind you that you are not alone, and don't mind going places with strangers who turn into sister friends, join us. Just go to the website, themillennialwivesclub.com slash join the club for more details on how to join your local chapter or how to start your own. All right, girl, we'll see you then. Now let's get back into the show. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you so much, Dominique, for sharing your story. We done learned some things and we really appreciate you dropping this knowledge on us and letting us know um, what what it is that you're doing and how we can help. Um, I really, really, really do appreciate you for coming on the show. Well, I appreciate you for having me. This has been an, an amazing experience. Yes, I really loved our conversation. I feel like we touched on a lot of different things. And so we did. Yes, and I and I love that. So I just have one last question for you. What do you want the women in transition to learn from your story? And what is the takeaway? Um, I would say there are five key things, okay? So the first thing is um, view all inefficiencies as opportunities, right? Um, The second thing is to lean into the growth and the learning process or whatever situation the Lord has placed you in. Number three would be to be true to yourself and accept and assess your gifts and talents. Four is keep it cute. And five is push through. Push through. Push through. I think you just gave me all the things for um, my content for the next few months. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Literally uh, this morning, you know, after meditating and praying and things like that, um, topics for the upcoming months was definitely assessing talents and gifts to find your purpose. And um, the last thing you just said, what was it? Push through. Push through. That was push through. Yes. And I was like, yes, especially now, like with everything that's going on, you have to push through. Well, that means it was destined. It was. It was destined. This is perfect, girl. (laughs) Right on time. (laughs) Again, thank you so much, Dominique, and until next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Tia. Had so much fun. You're the best. You are the best, too. (laughs) 
Are you ready to learn how to do your makeup like a pro? Well, my name is Z and I want to invite you to join the Better Than YouTube makeup class community. It's better than YouTube because you're going to get the details and makeup secrets you've been missing to help you master your brows, blend that eyeshadow, and snatch your face with that highlighting and contouring. So head on over to betterthanyt.com to grab your free makeup starter kit today. That's better than yt. Dot com and I am so excited to teach you. Well, all right, friends, that's all I got. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson. I hope you enjoyed the show. For show notes and submission of questions, please visit www.accordingtotia.com. But before you do that, can you do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast? And while you're there, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate your feedback and your support. And if you're not already following me at According to Tia or at the Millennial Wives Club, you are missing out. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Step out of my comfort zone, I'm not afraid. See, I don't want to block what God has for me. Watching what I feed my mind, good energy. Good energy. And I let go the people that's no good for me. See, I'm fully, fully persuaded, persuaded that I can do this. Yep, I can make it. I'm an entrepreneur with integrity. I like nothing. I ain't no sense of jealousy.